Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work. But more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job or maybe you've been unemployed for a while or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Sabina. First of all, apologize. I've been on a self-induced hiatus for a couple of weeks. I am back. I've got tons of podcasts in the queue. Before we start with today's episode, I want to share, of course, success stories, my favorite thing to do. I have one client who We'd finished working together about a month ago, and they decided they didn't want to continue with monthly coaching, but they sent me a message saying, I think I know everything I need to know. I have the tools to do this on my own, but I will reach out if I need help. He did recently reach out to me that he has indeed found a job. What I love about this is that success isn't necessarily marked by having a job but it is marked by knowing what to do, how to serve yourself, how to find that dream job, how to apply for it, and how to go back to working. So proud of this person. I have someone else I'm still working with right now. We're at a little bit of a kind of, oh, I would say stall in the fact that I feel this person's abilities are far more advanced than he does. And we ended a session last week with him saying, I don't know why I'm fighting this. It's the whole reason I started this process. And I think that was the Eureka moment. We actually have scheduled one-on-one working sessions rather than him working on his own. I have really high hopes just goes to show you, you really can do all of this. I just help facilitate it and make it a little easier. And that's what I do. And hopefully I help people get to where they want and need to be. So some success before I go into today's podcast, a little introduction of the podcast. And I think it plays really well to these success stories. You're going to hear a conversation between myself and Adam Piandes. Hard name to say. Adam is a coach, a lifelong learner, teacher, uh, just one of the most inspirational people I know. And that's saying a lot because I know a lot of really great folks. Adam and I talk about everything from trusting yourself to not 
listening to those outside voices to not having, not giving into the judgment of others, including yourself, and how to look within so that you can build confidence, build strength to get to where you need to go. And we talk about this both in and out of unemployment, and we give you some quick and easy ways that you can start doing this yourself. But he and I both agree this can be the number one stumbling block when you're looking for a job, or it can be the most detrimental thing to when you go back to working. So I hope you find today's episode interesting and helpful because it will teach you how to make that going back to working easier. Let's get started. I'm very, very excited uh, to welcome onto the podcast my colleague, my friend, today's guest, Adam Piandes. Uh, Adam, welcome. Thank you for having me. Very happy to finally get you here after lots of kerfuffles. I'll take the ownership on that. But for those of you listening, uh, Adam has an amazing background, and he was actually the first person I asked to be on the podcast, and we'll get to that in a minute. But he brings to all of you listening his phenomenal background. He's been a published writer, writing articles for things as wonderful as Forbes. He's the founder of The Art of Masterful Communication. He is a coach and a teacher, and I'm proud to call him a colleague. And Adam, again, thank you so much for coming. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Um, looking forward to the discussion. Okay. Did I get all of your uh, professions correct? Because you are definitely a master of all trades. Yeah, yeah, no, we're good. We're good. Okay. So one of the reasons why I asked Adam to come onto the podcast, I had no intention of not not having him, but it was the furthest thing from my mind. But we are both in a learning collective together. And he was leading a session right before I launched the podcast about trusting yourself and looking inward to build trust in who you are, the direction you're going. He and I had this conversation about the fact that people who are out of work struggle with this, I think, probably more than, you know, your average employee. And Adam, could you maybe give like a little... Yeah, sure. So... So a couple of things, the idea and the notion of trust is something that I've worked on within myself, you know, over the years and is something that I work on with clients and organizations. And, you know, we can relate it to your core demographic, right? Folks that are out of work and and are seeking employment. And, and you know, the journey of stepping into something that is meaningful, stepping into something that holds purpose stepping into something that is aligned with your values, there inherently has to be a trust process that takes place within yourself as an individual. And sometimes trust can be this sort of nebulous exploration, right? Like, what does it really mean to trust oneself? I, I speak about it in a couple of different ways. There's there's a few steps prior to that, which two very simple steps, know, knowing yourself and connecting with yourself and and what do those two things mean? Well, knowing yourself is 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 understanding that you're you're not perfect. You're going on a journey, in that you're welcoming in all the challenges uh, that are that are in front of you. And and connecting with yourself is saying, okay, I know that I'm here to learn. I know that I'm here to grow. 
and I'm going to be, I'm going to embrace humility and, and explore those parts of me that are uncomfortable, or perhaps there's shame attached to certain experiences from the past or whatever it may be. It's just a willingness to explore within yourself to learn like, where are those areas that are a little bit uncomfortable and how can I grow from them? Right. And then if there's a willingness to explore in those areas over time, I, I believe that this is how we build trust within ourselves. Thank you. And I, what resonated with me in that is so many things to, to look at uh, under the magnifying glass, kind of like the second part of what you said, because I don't think people go around mindfully or the great part of the public goes around mindfully thinking about trust, let alone the trust they have for themselves. And it does take that life-altering event in some ways to make you even think about it, let alone look at it. And what struck me when you're out of work and you touched on this, all of these emotions come in. There's this disappointment, shame, kind of second guessing, questioning everything. Like your entire foundation has been rocked and you lose your job. All of those things come to the surface. And worse, you also think that everybody who knows you is thinking all of these things of you. Your entire belief system almost is shaken. To me, one of the things I'm trying to do with people is to say, if we look at losing our job as something that is probably going to happen to most of us, it's not a personal thing. But if we accept this as a possibility, a probability, we would be better equipped to deal with it. And we wouldn't feel all of those emotions and that trust, we'd have more trust in ourselves because of that. And that's kind of a lot of what's behind the book and what I'm trying to do. But you and I both know that that's the worst time is when we have that cataclysmic event, trusting myself and look, and what's worse, I don't want to look in the mirror. So what's my process for this? I've gone through a pivotal event and it doesn't necessarily have to be being out of work. How do I even start the process when now everything is shattered? Yeah, it's, um, you know, so many things come up when you have a major pivotal event in your life. And, you know, you touched upon a lot of different things in there. It's like the individual has their individual experience. And what can be really challenging and often detrimental is when you start to compare your experience to others, right? Like, hmm. what are other people going to think about this? Or how am I going to be seen in the public eye? And then when you move into this place of compare and contrast, well, now you're putting all your focus externally on how is the world viewing me versus what can I learn from this, right? So those are two different lenses to look through. The first one is externally and looking outward. And that actually is a very common distraction for people because, you know, when, when our earths, our inner worlds are shattered, the natural tendency for a lot of folks is to want to point the finger outward and blame someone or something for how we're feeling. And, and that can be supportive in some respects to get the anger out of your system. But if you live in that place and then, then you start to feel those shameful feelings that come from compare and contrast and it really does function as a, as a huge distraction because oftentimes these big events are are blessings in disguise right like reframing issues as blessings is one thing that i often like to say to myself and, and share with clients there's an issue 
And the issue can be really, really challenging. And it's okay that it's challenging. It's okay that you have shame around it. You feel anger, you feel frustration, you feel sadness. But if you allow yourself to feel those things with the understanding that there's a blessing in there, this can then really shift your perspective. You know, if, if you do lose a job, you know, and you're a believer in, in that everything happens for a reason, right? Or that everything is happening for your highest good, you can then come to acceptance of your reality a lot quicker than pushing up against it and saying, you know, why me sitting in the victim seat? Or why didn't they do this to somebody else? Or this is unfair? Or whatever the storyline may be that contribute to you know, what we'll call limiting interpretations of reality, which are often like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I should have done something different. So it's all, it's working with all the storylines within us. And how can you take those storylines and reframe them in ways that are going to support you and your growth? I think that's an underlying theme of this podcast is that, you know, not ask why me, ask why not me? Yeah, What, like what that. was I meant to learn from this? And that's super, that's hard. I think you nailed it where you said it's so easy to look somewhere else. There's that desire to kind of absolve ourselves from responsibility. And we, in some ways, we think someone has to be responsible for this. So if it's not me, then it's my former employer or a coworker who was sabotaging me. And sometimes it's nothing. Nothing is to blame. It's just the events of life. Yes. And it's quite, it's quite natural to, to, to actually to blame. Yeah. Right. That's a process of grieving and it's and it's and anger often is projected outward. Mm -hmm. um, it's just it, it what becomes important. It's like any relationship. If you've ever been in a relationship and a relationship ends and you break up, oftentimes it's like, how can I blame the other person for how I'm feeling in this very moment? Mm -hmm. Right. As long as the responsibility shifts at some point, hopefully quicker than, than not to saying, OK, I'm feeling this way. It's easy to project it outward, but like what's happening inside of me here that I can take ownership for? Yeah. I just have to kind of laugh at the relationship example, because can't we just break up with someone just by saying it's not working out? And I think well, work is sure. like that sometimes. Yeah, that, yeah. That's very similar. Right. And, but you know, it's it, the, the tendency is to really personalize things, you know, and to go into that place, what, what resides underneath the blame or, or personalizing things are the insecurities, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. What did I do wrong? I should have been better. And those are the stories that where the richness is really like where you can get in and actually take ownership and heal ultimately from the experience. Like if you get fired from a job or you lose your job, it should not be understated sort of how, how traumatic that can be for an individual, right? Like it is a traumatic right. event that really impacts the nervous system. And so it's like, well, okay, this is like, this is a, this is a serious, significant emotional event. How can I heal and how can I take care of myself in the process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we get very mired in that blame cycle. I know when it happened to me, I, I was blaming everybody I could think about in everything, including myself. And I would say I was probably hardest on myself. Of course. And it, it took me over a year to pass that. And I look back kind of embarrassed by that. And I think a lot of things played into it. But one thing for me, and maybe this is something you've seen, is that 
I put a lot of my identity into work. I, we, we work more than anything else, unfortunately, maybe we're changing that, but I really define myself by where I was in my career. And therefore losing that meant I lost a lot of identity and didn't know who I was. And I, I always say this, uh, it's in the book where I say, I'm a pretty flawed person, but one area I always thought I did really well was work and suddenly not so much. And that really made me reevaluate everything, but it took me a while to get to the evaluation stage. How do we get to that stage? Because that's where we grow and move on, I think. Is that, am I getting that correct? Yeah, I mean, I I think I appreciate your honesty. You know, it's not easy to say like, it took me over a year to get over this thing, or I actually still feel embarrassed about this, right? Like, those are really honest assessments of what your experience has been like, you know, and and it's human, like you're humanizing the experience, which I think is really important. Right. If, if you were to get up here and say like, well, no, whatever, I don't care. But you're like, yeah, still parts of me that feel kind of embarrassed about that. Right. And that's OK. And I think that that's part of any process that involves change in our lives is to actually own up to what our reality is and to actually like be vulnerable and to suggest and say, hey, you know, this thing took me a while to get over. And, and so with that. Anytime we as individuals attach ourselves to something externally as a means of identifying who we are, we're putting ourselves in in tricky, tricky territory here because there is nothing outside of us that truly identifies who we are as individuals. And oftentimes people attach themselves to another person, a job, whatever it may be, because there feels like there's safety in that process. Mm -hmm. And so when that thing gets stripped away and you have to say, holy smokes, here I am just raw and with myself. Now you actually are being asked to identify who you are can be such a, um, it can cause a lot of disruption for people because, because the energy has been put outside of ourselves the entire time. Yeah, I think with a lot, I thank you for that. I, I think for a lot of people, it brings almost like an anxiety and a fear of, I don't know who or what I am without being able to identify myself by profession. What's the first question people ask you when they meet you? What do you do? Right. Um, and they certainly don't mean like, what do you do for fun? It really is. What do you do for a living? How do you identify yeah, yeah. It, well, you know, I, I think it's it's oftentimes the message sent isn't the message received. So if I were to say to you, you know, what do you do? You may receive that question is how do I identify myself, right? Where mm-hmm. someone else may say, well, I just, I don't know, I walk the earth in search of answers, like whatever their current experience right. may be, right? And so we all interpret things in different ways. I think where the empowerment lies is for somebody who is unemployed, and is feeling some way about it, whether it's shameful or angry or frustrated or maybe excited, right? Because mm-hmm. new opportunities are on, on the horizon. I think it's it's about just being comfortable with where you're at. Like, yeah. so what do you do? Well, right now I'm I'm out of work. Yeah. If you're asking me what I do for a profet- as as part of my profession, what else do I do? Well, I like to read. I, you know what I mean? So it's <laughs> It's starting to to take a more holistic look at what that actually, what that question is actually sort of 
getting at? No, I, it's interesting. Before I launched the book, someone who knew I was working on it had lost their job, a colleague of mine, and they were moderating a panel for their grad school. And they sent me this panicked email and it was like, how do I introduce myself? How do I have them introduce me? And I, I'm a little surprised I was getting this question and it made me think, but maybe part of that getting past it is how do I want to be identified? And I start becoming that person. And that's a way to move forward. What are your thoughts on that? Like I, I'm no longer a learning professional. Yeah. I still am, but I just don't have a place to, you know, hang up my laptop. So now I'm developing, I don't know, social media skills or I'm volunteering. Yeah. I mean, I I think so the ego is a real tricky thing, right? So your colleague here who's getting up in front of a graduate school program of sorts and wants to identify as a certain thing so that she validates who, who she is, or she, she demands a certain level of respect, right. From the audience. It's again, it's, it's, it's all tied up in the ego's desire to attach ourselves to these achievements and to these external things that, that can get real tricky. How does that person identify herself in that instance? Or how do we identify ourselves when we're kind of in transition? I think it's just really up to the individual in terms of what's actually meaningful for you. You know, I, so that happened over a year ago and in talking to you, I just had this thought of, I don't think this person really cared about themselves. I think they were still in this point of that other sphere of what other people would think of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my God, I'm standing, I'm standing up in front of this graduate school program. They're all going to think that I'm a fraud because I'm out of work. Even though they had the exact same accomplishments that they had a week before. And in their defense, it was very fresh. So sure. I, I can understand. The, we don't want to be, uh, uh, that person might be listening. So, but I well, think. Well, that- well, well, yeah. And well, well and, and so let's, I want to go back to what I was saying before, which yeah. is that if it's fresh, that's totally cool. Absolutely. And like, it's really normal to feel hurt and confused insecure and angry and all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. All, all I'm speaking to is that when, when we associate ourselves with these external things, which is very natural because all these things are in our faces all day telling us that we need to be this and we need to be that. It just, it causes internal, it, it causes turmoil and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Let's, I, and I don't mean to stay in the, um, how do you move forward mode, but I think it's, something a lot of people are challenged by, you know, I'm thinking of the, you know, what is it? The five stages of grief, you know, where you go, someone once asked me, do you go straight through all of them or do you go back and forth? And I think it's a back and forth. Yeah. It's uh, it's rare that things are, are just so linear in nature. Yeah. So I think, but that goes to the second part of knowing yourself. And I think there needs to be this self-awareness of how are you feeling? How are you doing? Are you in a understandable state of unemployment or have you sunk into the quicksand? And I don't know if there's, I don't know what the barometer of that is. I don't know whether it's time. I don't know whether it's intensity and I'm sure it's different for every person, but do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a, that's a cool question. So 
I am of the belief and having worked now with thousands of people from all over the world that everyone is entitled to and has their own unique experiences when, when change occurs, right? And to suggest to one person that you should be at a certain place in your process by now, you've been out of work six months and you're still thinking about this. What's wrong with you, right? Like that's not... <laughs> It's very supportive, right? Because everyone, when you have a massive, uh, like a significant change in your life, it's going to bring up all the crap that's in there from previous experiences. And each person has had their own unique path through life and their own unique experiences. So where, let's say getting fired from a job would impact you in a certain way. It's, it could impact me in a completely different way that you that you just would be like, why are you so worked up about that? Where and I could do the same to you, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if someone goes into the quicksand per se, as you as you talked about, it's like, well, you know, that's where you're at, and that's part of your process. And so, you know, the sooner I, I think for for all things that you can start to apply self compassion, the better off you're going to be. And so, ultimately through all stages of transition, when we go into modes of self-blame and we have these limiting beliefs that start to come up about, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I should have done this. I should have done that. Applying self-compassion is like the best form of medicine that's readily available to all of us. Because at the end of the day, no one really cares that you got fired. Like who cares, right? Yeah. The only the only person that really truly cares is the the one who's going through that experience. Now that's not to say that other people aren't going to be concerned or supportive, but everyone's got their own stuff to worry about within themselves. And so as soon as we can start to kind of maybe lower that sense of self-importance, I think around these situations sometimes, and that may sound harsh, but it's more like, okay, I'm going through this experience and it sucks and it's hard and man, like I didn't see this coming or whatever the situation may be. It's really taking ownership for, it's being understanding that the only person that is truly going to help you through this process is you Yeah. in the sense that you can get a therapist, hire a coach, talk to colleagues. All of those things are supportive. And I encourage all of them if those things feel right. But at the end of the day, it's like, applying self-compassion and loving yourself and forgiving yourself and going through that process of being in the quicksand is what ultimately can propel you to step into your next job from a whole different perspective. And maybe the perspective is, okay, this is a cool job that I'm stepping into, but I am not going to make this my identity, right? Like this is going to be something that I work with and relate to from a much different place. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a lot, and I'm I am having flashbacks of my year of unemployment. <laughs> and I just sort of spilled a lot of random. No, I and I'm I'm pretty open about this, and it's in the book. I talk about it all the time. I think a a huge disservice that happened to me was I had a lot of quick wins after I lost my job. I had some very good organizations reach out to me and interview me. I had one round of interviews lasted, I'm not kidding, from I would say early November to the end of January. And you can say, oh, the holidays are in there and everything, but it was a global company. It was a global role. And I didn't get that job. And that caused me to go in the quicksand. And Mm. that lasted a few months. And luckily I had this great friend who just invited me to change my environment. 
And it was great. I didn't get the pressure of what are you going to do now? It was just, oh, you need to be somewhere warm and sunny. On the way home from that trip was when I started to look within. Mm. And that really changed things. But getting there was not easy. And yeah. It doesn't have to be. But let's look at the uh, 180 from that. What if you don't honor those feelings and thoughts? Is there a danger to that? Can I just go to step two of looking within? Well, I think you actually spoke to the quote unquote dangers of it, right? So you got fired from a job. Is that what happened or let go or released or whatever the correct word? We politely say reorg, Adam. (laughs) Reorg. Okay. There was a reorg that took place. Got it. Fate intervened Uh, with my future. Let's, I like that one. Let's let's soften the blow here. Um, And so naturally there's a healing process that needs to take place. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like any relationship, if you try to jump right into another relationship, there are certain expectations that come with that because the healing hasn't mm-hmm. happened from the previous relationship. So you're bringing stuff with you. There's expectations, there's hope, there's desires, and there's a vision of what this thing should look like. So when when the healing hasn't taken place and you're not able to step in to a new situation far more grounded, it's it's you're setting yourself up really for, I don't know, a downfall of some sort, right? Because it's like, there's there's this there's this need to make it happen as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to kind of uh, take care of this anxiety that I'm feeling, and this external thing is going to fix my internal unrest, right? And so all of those things, again, anytime that we reach for external things to to fix our internal imbalances, we're, we're looking in, in the wrong places. Right. And so I think it was a really good example that answers your question of like, when you don't give yourself time to heal and we don't give yourself time to now look, everyone's circumstance and situation may be different. Right. I mean, there may, you may be in a situation where you have to find a job because you have to financially Mm -hmm. provide for your family or whatever it may be. And that can be really, really stressful. So I say this with the understanding and the caveat that that it's sometimes life's circumstances. We have to speed up the process sometimes because of life's circumstances. So a couple of things. It's funny. I never looked at those early easy wins as me not honoring my feelings because Mm -hmm. I will tell anyone who listen. I I cried during that time period. I got angry. I wondered what was wrong with me and all of that stuff. Uh, But I don't think I'd done that second part of going within and that re-examination phase, which I think these are two things. You can't separate them. Yes, self-forgiveness, self-forgiveness, self-compassion. I'm proof of that. And I thank you for saying, someone listening to this might say, oh, well, it's easy for you guys to talk about this. I've got a mortgage to pay for. We get that. We totally get that. I was in that situation And we're not saying don't do that. I think you can take another job while you're looking within. Yes. Um, These things, these are not clear cut phases. If I, if I'm understanding you correctly, Adam, it's like, there's definitely some, for want of a better word, bleed between them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like things in life just are rarely linear in nature, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're teaching math, which I, I used to do actually. <laughs> um, and, and so, yes, I think that it is actually very a quite, it's a responsible approach if you are transitioning into a new job and it feels like you haven't fully healed from what happened previously, mm-hmm. it really is your responsibility as an individual to address those things because what will happen in the new job is you will inevitably get triggered by something. Yeah. And then some of the old stuff is going to come to the surface as it always does for us. I mean, that's when we get triggered by outside things, it's because those things exist within us, but it, it, it is ultimately the person's responsibility to say, okay, like that was really traumatic and that was really challenging. And I still, I'm still pissed off. I still have some anger. I need to just, I need to address those things as I transition into this new role. Yeah. And, and I think, so those triggers, we should pay attention to them not dismiss them as, oh, I'm being silly, but maybe as a sign of, oh, I, I probably have a little more work to do. Yeah. Okay. Do you think it's possible then? Okay. Let's just say I've kind of been doing the honoring my feelings, getting past it. Now I'm looking inside. I might even be redesigning, developing, defining myself. Mm -hmm. And I've lucked into a good job but maybe I'm not done one of those phases. So those triggers are happening. Do you think it's possible that I can, for want of a better word, heal while I'm in that second job? I don't need to find a whole third job, right? No. And I I think again, like the healing process is on, is on a continuum. And, you know, just when we think we've quote unquote healed, in comes this experience that triggers all these old emotions again. You say, God, I thought I thought I handled those things. Oh, yes. Oh, I've there they are. There they are again. <laughs> they're and... like they're like these little things that follow you, um, like in a beautiful mind, those alternate personalities yeah. that follow him everywhere. Yeah. See them in the distance. Yeah, I feel like that sometimes. We we used to refer in my graduate program, we referred to them as stackers. Ooh. And so it's so like if something hasn't been completely healed and resolved those things will get triggered by something else. And, and they, these events just stack on top of each other until you really are say, okay, this is something that is causing harm. This is something that is not allowing me to express myself in a way that serves me at the highest level, right? Like I'm getting pissed off a lot or whatever it is. Okay. And so how do we then address those, those things and make time for them? Yeah. And is that, I'm going to assume it's going to be different for every person based on what their stackers are and the degree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I am just a huge advocate of creating support networks and it's not so much a shameless plug for me as a coach and facilitator and teacher and all that stuff. Right. Like I've, that's what I do. And I have people that serve that role for me as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have a team of people that I rely on, that I invest in, uh, that 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 hold me, uh, that keep me accountable, and encourage me to be honest with myself. Mm-hmm. No, I love that, and I will say this: I did luck into a good job, and then that ended in 
December of 2020. And I was pretty, I'm trying to think of the right word. I was, I was okay with that. I was like, okay, I, I've already decided I was moving on to something else anyway. And I would say a huge difference is the fact that I had either through accident or purpose or luck built a really good network. And that was the difference between those two work situations. One of the, one part of that, a significant part of that is the think tank where you and I have met. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, sorry, you're part of my network now. And um, so this has been fascinating. And I think we could talk for a long time about it. Is there anything else you want to add about doing, trusting yourself through unemployment? I'm not even sure how to categorize this, but anything yeah. you want to add? You, you know, I, again, I think that if, if a person is in that place uh, that's listening to this, that is feeling uh, a certain way about being unemployed is to do a couple things. You know, what you did, I think was good modeling. You modeled quite well earlier when you were really honest and said, took me a year. I'm still kind of feeling a certain way about it. Right. Like, so is to own how you're feeling and just be cool with it. And, and I think that that is perhaps uh, the most self-honoring thing that you can do is not to pretend that you're feeling another way because of what another person's going to think. No one, like truly, no one really cares, you know, because everyone's going through their own stuff. Right. And, and, and again, and I say that, I don't mean that in a way of people don't want to support you because people love you and they care about you. But when you get into the details of what you're experiencing in that moment, that is your own unique experience. So if you can own it and and just give yourself a lot of self-love and self-compassion, that's that there's your medicine. And then finding support from other people. And and the one thing that I there's a saying that I really love when people are going through change and they're feeling a lot of heightened emotions, is that outer outer experience is a reflection of inner reality. Right. So if our mm -hmm. outer experience is full of chaos and we're taking our anger out on other people and all the relationships in our lives seem to be heightened and and erratic and just kind of like in chaos. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good time to actually say, well, if this is my external world, my inner reality probably looks the same. Mm -hmm. So I should go in and do some some internal work and whatever that looks like for the individual. So. Yeah. Long story longer is just be kind to yourself and, and understand that like these changes are often gateways to, to bigger and better things. Yeah. Um, I can definitely say I'm, I yeah. hope I'm proof of that. Thank you. Real quick. I want to just, current events are always an influencer to the things I talk about. And as you and I are having this conversation, recession looms and more and more, I'm getting people reaching out to me saying, I have a job, but I'm afraid of losing it. Yeah. Was there a like preemptive exercise thing I can do if I'm in that situation that maybe won't, it won't stop me from having to go through this cycle, but maybe it'll make me better prepared. Is there anything you can offer for advice to anyone in that situation? For someone who is, is sort of fearful of losing their job because of the, all the, mm -hmm. the news around the recession. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the tricky time, right? I mean, there's a lot of changes that are happening, uh, mm -hmm. macro level, 
big time and within all of us. Easier said than done. Uh, there's the element of of control, which is when you break it down, is really just an illusion, right? We we are not able to actually control our outcomes, but all we can we what well, what we can control are the projects and tasks that we have in front of us. So what are the things that I can do in my day to day that I can control? I know I can't control the outcome, so I'm going to surrender into whatever happens, happens, right? And, and, and so again, there are so many layers to it because there are so many responsibilities that we have in our lives that are dependent on our jobs. And so I would say in the times that we're in right now are, are really to quote unquote, control the things that you can and, and really just surrender into the understanding that as much as we want to control our outcomes, we can't. Right. And so, you know, whatever vertical or industry you may be in, how can you, on top of that, maybe further educate yourself mm. uh, along the way? Right. And, and everyone's situation is unique and different, um, but it, 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 it most certainly is a challenging time. The, uh, the other thing I would say is turn off the news, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> that really feeds into our fears and our anxieties. I mean, that's where all the information is disseminated. So if you continue to hear you're in a recession, 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 things are falling apart, things are falling apart. It can be really difficult to separate yourself from that sort of language and those messaging. So be selective with with the information that you take in. I, I like that. And I would think, I love the, of course, I love the idea of development. I would imagine that that's rather empowering to somebody. Yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's really insightful, right? It's like, okay, I'm feeling disempowered because of all this recession news and I'm feeling fearful. To your point, what can I do to step into my power and that could be learning, that could be taking up a new hobby, that could be a lot of different things that keeps you in that creative space, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and what I think often happens for people is when the messaging is around doom and gloom, mm-hmm. become very isolated in our thinking, like, oh my God, if I can't do this job, then I'm, there's nothing else I can do. But if you start to prepare yourself and activate some of those creative muscles um, and, and really just tap into those creative juices, like, look what you did, right? I mean, you, you, you don't know what you could birth yeah. from something as impactful as what's going on right now. So I'll share with you since you brought it up and thank you. I, I like that. The friend who had me come down to where it was warm and sunny and I am not a warm and sunny person, sorry. Um, but <laughs> one day at breakfast, she sat across from me at the table and this happened to be a mentor of mine. And she said, I think you should think about going into your own business and coaching. I think you'd be really good at that. And I remember saying, no, I, that's not me. And oh, the irony of it all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and the, that's not me is probably was very much a result of the identification with the work that you had done prior. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. I did not see myself as somebody who was comfortable. How can I put it? Like outside of corporate life. Yeah. And I actually yeah. find I'm so much happier. Yeah. That's so, that's so fantastic. I love that. And you know, one, one other thing I'll add to that. And, and I, and you may have done this sort of subconsciously 
or she may have encouraged you to do this without sort of put, framing it in, in this way. I think what's often helpful for people when they're not sure of what comes next is to, to ask themselves, how shall I serve? Mm-hmm. And that question can often bring up a lot of different ideas that perhaps may have not have been available when, you know, one is consumed with, with doom and gloom. Yeah. I, I think that's a very good way of building up you to yourself is by giving to others. You see, yes. you have something to offer and it's appreciated. Uh, I would completely agree with that. I think, unfortunately, we're out of time. I've really enjoyed this discussion. Me too. Sure, we might have to come back and revisit it. But sharing your knowledge, what you do, again, when you spoke to a, a group of learning people and we were all so transfixed by this idea, and I knew it would be information that would be really great for this audience I, again, I thank you, Adam, for your time today and look Adam up. He is on LinkedIn, Adam, and I'm going to spell it out, P-I-A-N-D-E-S. He's on LinkedIn. He is also, he has his own website of the same name, uh, founder of the Art of Masterful Communication. I certainly learned a lot today and enjoyed. Anything else you want to say out there, Adam? No, I, I really enjoyed the conversation and I, I thank you so much for having me on. I think you're, you know, serving a, in a, a segment of, of the population that is in need of, of guidance and support, right? And community. And then I think that that's, that's really important. So you can find me in those places. I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited. I'm launching um, this new academy, the Emotional Health Business Academy in a month from now, November 16th will be the launch. And it's it's an academy that is uh, designed to, to really support people in putting their emotional health first within their business lives. Will you come back and talk about that when you're ready? For yeah, that? yeah, I'd love to. That would be awesome. To. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I knew we were bound to have a second conversation. Okay. So thank you, Adam. And thank you everybody for listening. And there you have it for today. I hope you learned something or heard something today that is helping you as you are in your out-of-work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please show us support, subscribe, like, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sulat. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at s-s-u-l-a-t at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.